0: Well, hey, good morning, Harvest. We're so glad that you've joined us for online worship today and so glad that we can have this opportunity uh, to dig into God's word and to follow along in our series called Follow the Leader. And today we're going to be headed to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. So if you have your Bible, if you could turn there and uh, we're going to be looking at an amazing story of, of Jesus healing a boy with a demon, but we are going to see something really incredible in this story. We're going to see some incredible things about the Christian life, about discipleship. Um, so if you could head there, that would be wonderful. If, uh, if you're not a regular attender of our church um, then, and you're just tuning in online, we're really glad that you're here uh, today. My name is Brett Patterson, and I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Harvest Niagara, and I have the joy of leading us from God's word. Um, so as you're turning, as you're turning to Mark chapter nine, I just want you to think, What are some things in this life? uh, What are some things in your life that you will never outgrow? You know, think about that uh, for a minute. Maybe right now you're feeling like, wow, I've really outgrown this whole season of social distancing and staying at home and being stuck. Yeah, I think we're all feeling that. Um, But unfortunately, we haven't outgrown that yet. But that's not what I'm thinking of. Uh, Keep thinking, what are some things in the Christian life that you would never outgrow? What are some of the things in the Christian life that are really Your greatest need? Uh, What are some of the things that are maybe the greatest expression of your walk with Jesus Christ? Now that might seem like odd questions, but as we dig into this text this morning, I really think it's going to start to hit home and make sense. And so you'll remember last week, uh, we left off. Jesus was up on top of the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration with three of his disciples. And in this amazing event, uh, Moses and Elijah appeared and Jesus was there in all of his glory. And the disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John saw his glory in an incredible way, but they didn't get to stay there. Uh, Jesus led them back down the mountain, from there. And that's where we pick up today. We pick up in Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 14, uh, right through to the end of 29. And before we dig into this text though, I just want to take a minute and I want to pray. I just want to pray that God would, as we read his word, as we study it together, that God would really press these truths into our hearts this morning. Would you just bow with me and pray for a moment? Father, we look to you today, Lord. We call out to you today, Lord, in the middle of uh, this season where everything is so upside down, so backwards, so not what we are used to, so uncomfortable in many ways. Uh, God, we look to you today and we call out to you today because you are our rock. uh, You are our refuge. Uh, Lord, we just sang about how awesome and glorious your name is. And Lord, yes, we rejoice in the greatness of your name. Lord, the heavens declare the glory of God. Lord, we see that. We're seeing that unfold in front of us uh, right now as, as spring flowers come up and as trees turn green and amazing miracles of new life and new birth happen. God, we praise you that the heavens declare your glory. But God, we pray right now that you would declare and reveal your glory in our hearts this morning, God. As we open your word, would you show us the very specific glory of your son, Jesus Christ, how great and awesome he is. And Lord, would you give us, give us deeper faith, Lord. Give us a deeper trust in Jesus, a greater willingness to yield to Jesus, to walk with Jesus, to surrender to him, Lord. As we look at this passage, would you take this passage? Would you apply it to our hearts? Would you apply it to our lives today? Lord, we pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ and through his power, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, we're in Mark chapter nine, and let's just start with verses 14 through 22. And let's just look at this together. Verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And they asked him, and and he asked them, what are you arguing with them about? And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And so right here, we're just going to pause at this point in the text right here, and we're going to begin to look at what's happening here in this passage. As I said a moment ago, this is not just your typical passage of Jesus doing an incredible miracle. If you've been following with us so far through the gospel of Mark, then you have seen Jesus do some incredible things. You've seen him command nature by calming the storm on the sea. You've seen him heal lepers and heal diseases that were otherwise uncurable in his time. You've seen him cast out demons. And here, yes, we have an absolute, a clear picture of Jesus's glory. That he is powerful over all of the spiritual realm. Over, over the demonic, uh, over everything that exists in this world. But there's something else at work here in this passage. I believe there's something else that the Lord really wants us to see uh, for our own lives as disciples. I want you to notice the, con- the context here. Uh, Jesus was just up on the mountain with three of his disciples. They're coming down and they meet the other disciples. And as they're coming down the mountain, as they come up to them, they see them um, arguing with the scribes. And we, and we see the disciples here, apart from Jesus in this moment, struggling in, in a tight spot, in hot water, in over their heads apart from Jesus, and Jesus comes up to his disciples with his other three disciples there, and he meets them in this moment, and he asks, what are you arguing about? What are you arguing about? Very interesting that uh, Jesus asks this. I'm sure he already knows the answer, but he asks it to draw them out, um, to draw out what is happening here in this scene. Now, here's the first thing that we really need to see in this passage In our Christian life, in our walk with Christ, there are really three things that we never ever outgrow. That's what we're going to see today. And the first thing that we never outgrow is our need for Jesus's presence. We never outgrow our need for Jesus's presence. Get the picture, okay? The disciples apart from Jesus struggling, trying to do ministry, trying to heal this boy, trying to do what they can to rescue him from the grip of the demonic, powerless to stop it. Powerless to change it. And then an argument arises with the scribes and maybe the scribes are taking this as a moment to uh, discredit them or maybe even to discredit Jesus and his ministry to say, see, look, um, your master really doesn't have all the power that you thought he had. Maybe he's really not who he said he is. Maybe that's happening, but they take this moment um, to try to discredit Jesus And this is the first thing that we really need to get here more than anything else. In our Christian lives, in our day-to-day walk, we never, ever, ever outgrow our need for the presence of Christ. You know, what is your greatest need in this season? What's my greatest need right now in this season of COVID-19? Well, your greatest need, my greatest need, all of our greatest need is the presence of Jesus Christ, the God-man, the one who brings a God's kingdom down to earth, the one who comes to indwell our hearts to change our lives, That's what we need. I want you to notice something else here. Also notice the desperation of this father. This father comes uh, to Jesus. He comes to his disciples and he comes to seek healing for his son. Now notice this. Notice what's going on here. The the father has been been bearing this child for it seems like a long time. He brings this child to Jesus' disciples and they're unable to help him. They're unable to cure him, to cast the demon out. This child has been tormented by demonic oppression. Uh, This child um, has been tormented in such a way that he has something that resembles uh, epilepsy going on in his body. But it's very clear that it's not just a standard case of epilepsy. It's very clear that it is demonic, that there's been a demon with him ever since his childhood. And we see that this demon obviously doesn't have good intentions for this child. Uh, This demon is attempting to destroy this child, to even kill this child. It says in verse 22 that it often casts him into the water or the fire to destroy him. Just think about this father enduring this. For such a period of time and coming to a place where he believes that there's going to be hope for his son. There's going to be somebody who can cure him. If he can just get to Jesus, then his child can be cured. His child can be healed. And he arrives at the disciples. And maybe they attempted. it, It would seem that way from the text. Maybe they attempted to cast out the demon. But they were unsuccessful. They weren't able to do what needed to be done. And this argument arises. Between them. I want us just to notice a couple things here. First of all, you know, why weren't the disciples able to cast out this demon? Had they not been given authority? Had they not been given power by Jesus? Well, in Mark 3.15, Jesus clearly gave his disciples the authority to cast out demons. It says that he sent them out to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. That was given to them. But what else is going on here in this passage? Why couldn't the disciples cast this demon out? Well, I'm going to make you hold on that. We're going to come to that a little bit later on because the passage actually explains it for us a little bit further down. But I want us to notice a couple things here. First of all, just about the demonic realm. You know, today in our society, in the naturalistic world, often the demonic realm is kind of, you know, categorized as mythological or superstitious in a way. I want you to notice something right here in this passage though. The demonic realm is real. Jesus didn't in any way believe that demons were mythological. He he knew that they existed. Uh, The apostle Paul, for example, in Ephesians chapter six, said that our greatest battle as believers is not against one another. It's not against humanity or flesh and blood or anything like that. It's actually against the demonic forces, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, he says. Let's notice a couple things here. First of all, demons oppose God's work. They oppose God's work. They oppose his plans, they oppose his desires. Uh, we know from John 10, 10 uh, that it says um, that the, the thief, speaking of the, the devil, okay, the leader of all demonic forces, that, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen, that's the enemy's plan uh, for your life. That's the enemy's plan for my life, um, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And demonic forces aren't um, something that we just trifle with, um, they do have evil intent for each of us. And notice from the passage right here in verse 22, that demons can cause physical harm. It says that the demon that was indwelling this child, that it often casts him into the fire and the water with the attempt to destroy him. But we also need to remember this, that demonic forces are only given limited Power and ability under God's sovereignty. Demonic forces are not over and above God's sovereignty; they operate underneath it. God puts the demons, so to speak, on a leash and says, "This far you may go, and no further." Isn't that awesome to know that even with with the evil that is operating in this world today, God puts boundaries on it and says, "No further." Listen, ultimately, demons are limited by God's control and God's power. So we can praise God for that. We can praise God um, that greater is he who lives in us than he who's in the world, that Jesus Christ, the one who indwells believers through his Holy Spirit, is more powerful than any demonic force out there in the world today. But we need to be aware that the demonic is just as real today as it was in Jesus's day. We need to not, you know, undermine it and pass it off or treat it as, you know, something that's passe or something that happened in the past. We need to be, um, we need to be aware. We need to pray ultimately that, that God would even today set people free, that he would do his work, but praise God, praise God that we're not left to fight the powers of darkness on our own. I want you to take a look down right now at, at verse 23, take a look down at verse 23. Just leading up to this, okay, this father comes to Jesus and he comes calling out for compassion. Uh, Really the father, when he comes to Jesus, the father of this boy, he comes and really what he says is he essentially says, Jesus, have a heart. If you can do anything, heal us, heal him, help us. Have a heart. Isn't that remarkable that this man would come to Jesus and ask Jesus to have a heart? And Jesus does obviously have a heart in this passage. Notice how Jesus responds right here in verse 23. And Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can, if you can. Well, just just wait a minute. Just pause there on that note for a second. If you can, imagine that. Imagine knowing what you know of Jesus Christ today. Imagine praying a prayer today and saying, well, Jesus, I don't know. It's kind of big, but. If you can, could you just do this? We wouldn't do that today. But, but this father in his desperation, he comes to Jesus after being there with his disciples. And for all he knows, uh, the same power that Jesus had was given to his disciples. And yet they could not cast this out. And so this father comes in desperation and he, he comes saying, if you can. And Jesus picks up on this and he says, if you can. But notice what he says, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. All things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, verse 25, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out and never enter into him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most said he is dead, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose. Listen, the first thing that we needed to see today is that we never ever outgrow our need for Jesus's presence. But notice the second thing right here in this text. Second thing right here, we never outgrow our need to exercise faith in the Christian life. We never outgrow our need to exercise faith in the Christian life. This father comes to Jesus. He comes with his child who's possessed by an evil spirit. And he comes in faith, believing that yes, Jesus can heal or something can be done. Yet his faith is weak. He's, he's struggling, um, but he does come in faith. Now we need to see some things and understand some things about faith from this past- passage. First of all, You know, faith is not always easy in our Christian lives. It's not always easy, but it's always necessary. Faith is not always easy, but it's always necessary in our Christian lives. Think about this right now in this season that we're in right now. Faith, how necessary is faith? How necessary is trusting that God is going to bring us through this time, that God is going to deliver us That God is going to refine us in the process. That God is going to strip away the things, the impurities that are there in our lives through this whole season of coronavirus. That God is going to do some of these remarkable works that maybe couldn't be done any other way. See, faith says that God will lead us through this time. That God will accomplish what he wants to accomplish in this season. And he'll do that in my life. Listen, faith is so essential. That faith is really the only way forward in God's economy. If you want to move forward with the Lord, if you want to move forward in your walk with him, you're not going to move forward uh, by trying harder. You're not going to move forward by just performing good works or attempting to even follow a set of uh, religious guidelines. The way to move forward with the Lord is through faith. Now, faith is, you know, by far the most important component of the Christian life. Really everything in the Christian life depends on faith. But not only does everything depend and hinge on faith in the Christian life, but, but faith is really what fuels the Christian life. You know, think about it for a second. What fuels your desire to follow Jesus Christ? Is it simply because you grew up in church or you heard um, the teaching of the gospel when you were young and you're just trying to live that out now? No, it's faith. It's faith. It's looking towards the things that are unseen. It's looking towards the hope of glory in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ will one day return again and that he will take us to be with him. That takes faith. That takes belief. That takes trusting the Lord. Listen, faith is, it's not something that, you know, you conjure up on your own or I conjure up on my own. You know, faith is not um, something that we're born with. We're not just born into faith. Uh, Faith is not really um, something that we derive through diligent religious study. A faith is not just adherence to religious guidelines or to a system of belief. A faith is so much more than that. Faith is ultimately a personal, real relationship, um, experience, walk with Jesus Christ Here's what the Bible says about faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. And then verse 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, so this verse is telling us that we can pile up all the good works we want And at the end of the day, we will not please God with those good works unless they're done in faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. faith is ultimately the rock solid assurance that God exists, that he is faithful to his word, that he will bring about every single promise that he has ever made. He will bring it to completion. That's Faith. That God will do all of these things. Listen, today we see so many people, so many people that, you know, say that they have faith. Um, that they they claim to have faith. They claim to be a person of faith, maybe a, a spiritual person. Um, or a person that, you know, walks by faith. and And they'll say many different things. And many people today have maybe a, a vague belief in God. You know, kind of just... A belief that God exists and that he's out there and and maybe even hopes good things for this world. Um, But maybe they have, you know, some disjointed notion of who God actually is. Is that faith? Is that faith? Many people today would claim to believe in God. Many people today would even claim to believe in Jesus. Uh, Yet, that same Jesus that they claim to believe in makes no impact on their daily lives. Is that faith? So think about this for a moment. Faith, faith is the most important component in the Christian life because it fuels everything else. Faith is, is not living by what we see. It's, it's living by what we believe that God has spoken and God will bring his word to completion. That's faith. It's easy to say today, oh, I have faith. I have faith that uh, this season will pass. Okay. Well, most of the world has that faith. Um, It's maybe even easy to say, you know, I have faith that uh, the NHL season will resume at some point and the Leafs will go on to win the cup. Well, that takes a lot of faith, um, I guess, in one sense, right? But is that really the faith that's being talked about here in this passage? No, it's not. That's not the belief that's being talked about here in this passage. Uh, The belief that's really being talked about here in this passage, the faith that's being talked about here in this passage is the faith that looks to God through Jesus Christ. That says that the only way to live a life that is pleasing to God, to honor God, to live in accord with what God has said is by believing in Jesus Christ, by yielding my life to him and by inviting him to be my Lord and my savior. That's the kind of faith that this passage is talking about. That's the kind of faith that we are being called to have. Listen, a couple things that we need to see about faith right now is that we actually see right in this passage is First of all, that faith is personal. This father of this demon possessed boy comes to Jesus and he doesn't come um, depending on somebody else's faith. He comes with his own faith. Yes, it's weak. Yes, it's not perfect, but it's his faith. He personally believes that Jesus Christ can make a difference in his child's life and make a difference in his own life. Listen, that's the key part of faith. Do you believe today that Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life on a daily basis? That takes faith. Do you believe today that Jesus Christ can change you, that he can transform you from the inside out to be more like him and to walk in a way that is pleasing to him? That takes faith. And so this father comes to the Lord. We see in that, that faith must be personal. Faith, you know, is not something that you're born with. It's not something that your mom, your dad, or your pastor can even have for you. True faith is personal. When we see that. That's the first thing about faith that we really see in this passage. But, but notice the second thing that we see in this passage. I love this. Faith doesn't have to be flawless. It just has to be real. I love the picture of this father of this demon-possessed boy coming to Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he doesn't climb up on a high hill and claim to have the greatest faith in the world. He comes admitting that his faith is weak. You know, think about this. Maybe this father um, had gone to uh, doctors with this child before to see if this child could be healed. Maybe this father had gone, you know, before to different uh, faith healers or exorcists even. We don't know from the text, but think of all the things that this father had gone through to try and help his child be well. And it had all failed. Yet he comes to Jesus in faith. His faith is a little battered. It's a little beaten up. It's a little weak, but it's real. It's a real faith. He comes trusting that Christ can do something. Faith doesn't have to be flawless, but it has to be real. And then listen, here's the third thing that we see. Faith must be appropriately placed. This father of this demon-possessed child Comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus in faith. That is significant. He doesn't go to anyone else. He goes trusting in Jesus. See, that is the key to biblical faith. It is trust in Jesus Christ above everything else. You know, John three sixteen is so clear about this. And Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, a religious leader. And they're having this great conversation, talking about what it means to be born again, to be changed from the inside out, to have a transformed life. And Jesus says this at the end of his conversation with Nicodemus. He says, for God so loved the world. Now we know this verse. We know it. Many of us have memorized it, but listen to it again with fresh ears. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's Jesus Christ, that whoever believes, that's faith in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, that's God's plan of faith for your life, for my life, is that we would trust Jesus Christ, that we would look to him, believe in him, lean into him. That's God's desire for all of us. that we would would come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Well, what kind of faith is God looking for? Well, it's a faith that is personal. It's a faith that's not flawless, but real. It's a faith that is appropriately placed in his son, Jesus Christ. But listen, it's, it's a faith that trusts God, that trusts God by looking to his son. So the biggest question right now uh, for each one of us is, have I truly placed my faith in Jesus Christ? You know, how you answer that question ultimately decides your eternity. Whether you are with Christ in glory or whether you're separated from him for all of eternity. And if you answer that question and you say, yes, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If your answer is yes on that, then I want to ask you a second question about faith. What difference is that making in your life right now? in this particular season? And I hope your answer is, it's making a lot of difference. It's not perfect. It's not flawless, but it is real. That's, that's what I'm striving for. And I can confess to you today that you know my faith in this season is, honestly, it's some days it's like a yo-yo. It's up and it's down and it's kind of all over the place. And there's, there's waves and there's difficult times and there's difficult um, moments right now and days uh, where it's easy to be discouraged. But yet at the same time, my faith isn't flawless in this season, but it's real. And Jesus Christ is leading me through it. He's walking me through it. He's teaching me what it means to trust him from a heart level in probably a lot of ways that I hadn't trusted him before. First of all, he is stripping away in my life, uh, my illusions of control that I was, you know, in control of so many things in my life. And the Lord's showing me that yeah, I don't even control whether I can go to the grocery store and find groceries or not in this season. He's also stripping away um, my desire for comfort and for things to be easy. And he's showing me that in reality, the Christian life is often going to be hard. Life in this world in general is going to be hard. The Lord is at work in this season. And so what difference is faith making in your life right now during this time? I hope it's making a great difference. I hope it's making an increasing difference because we never outgrow our need for the presence of Jesus Christ. And we never outgrow our need as believers to exercise faith in him on a daily basis. Continual faith in Jesus Christ. Those are two things that we need to see in this passage. But I really believe that there's one more. There's one more thing that we need to see right here in this text before we are done with it. And let's come down to verses 28 and 29. Verses 28 and 29. And so Jesus does the incredible work here where we see the the miracle of his glory in casting out this demon, showing his power and authority over the demonic realm. The the demon is cast out. Everybody thinks that this child is dead. And Jesus takes him by the hand and raises him up. What a beautiful picture of how Christ can raise up a life. by, By taking us from spiritual death. And giving us new life. But then notice this. Afterwards. After this scene is all over. Verses 28 and 29. He's with his disciples. It says. And when, he entered the, and when he had entered the house. His disciples asked him privately. Why could we not cast it out? You know. Hadn't you given us authority. Jesus to cast out the demon. And now notice Jesus' response. Verse 29. And he said to them. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Listen, three things that we never outgrow in our Christian life. First, we never outgrow our need for Jesus's presence with us daily. Second, we never outgrow our need for faith. Third, we never outgrow our need to pray. Listen, faith is the cornerstone of the Christian life, but but prayer is really the picture of dependence on God. It flows out of faith. Listen, the the person that has faith is the person who prays. And so, you know, think about that for a moment. What's God doing in your life in this season? Is God leading you to more reliance and dependence on him in prayer? Is is God leading you to a greater place of deeper dependence on him that causes you to call out to him, to lead you, to guide you, to help you in this season? Listen, faith is a continually leaning on God. But isn't it interesting that the Bible calls us, that Paul in scripture calls us uh, to pray without ceasing. You know, if faith is a, a continual leaning on the Lord and a continual looking to the Lord. Then prayer is really the continual, not just talking to God, but calling out and crying to God. Now, why couldn't the disciples cast out this demon? And we're given the answer that it only comes out by prayer. And so I guess they weren't praying but were they depending on themselves or were they depending maybe on their time spent with Jesus that they had maybe advanced far enough in the Christian life that they were able to do these things on their own? Well, we really don't know that. But what we do know is that Jesus very clearly tells them the reason you couldn't cast it out was because this kind only comes out. By prayer. Jesus points right here in this passage to the supremacy of prayer in the Christian life. The absolute need for prayer in the Christian life. For God to do the things that only God can do. Listen, let me say this. There is no true spiritual power without prayer. And so if you're walking in the Christian life right now. And, you're, and your prayer life is lagging. You know, don't take this as, you know, me pouring out the guilt on you. I'm not where I want to be in my prayer life right now. Not as, not as, not as deep as I want to be, not as grounded, not as quick to turn to the Lord. So don't take it as me pouring out guilt on you in any way. Take it as a call to return to Jesus in prayer, to call out to him with all of your heart. Listen, we are spiritually powerless apart from prayer. I'm spiritually powerless. You're spiritually powerless apart from prayer. So often, we can be like the disciples in this passage. So often, we can uh, just run towards ministry opportunities. We can run and throw all of our skill, all of our knowledge, all of our ability, all of our service at it, and we can find that nothing happens. And when we take a step back and we take a look, we realize it's because we didn't pray, or maybe we prayed kind of a you know a half-hearted prayer, a quick prayer but we just expected God to automatically bless our efforts in ministry. Maybe that's what's happening here with the disciples, but ultimately they were seeking to serve the Lord without calling out to the Lord. So let's take a lesson from this text. Let's not take the lesson and say, man, those stupid disciples, let's take the lesson and say, I can be like that. I can so often be like that. I can look at countless times in my walk with Christ where I've sought to serve Christ without asking for help from Christ. Ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, what that really shows is that I depend on myself more than I depend on Christ. Listen, faith is ultimately depending on the Lord. Prayer is the way that we show that dependence on the Lord. Prayer is the way that we run to God in dependence. So often, I sometimes get the idea that we feel, or some feel, that Christian maturity is actually you know, becoming so good at this Christian life that you're maybe really not dependent on God anymore. That's not maturity. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's self-reliance. Christian maturity is actually growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ so that you see that you are absolutely, utterly dependent on him for everything in the Christian life. That's what the Lord is calling us to. I think that's one of the things that God is doing in this season right now, particularly he is revealing to all of humanity, our absolute dependence on him for all things, our dependence on him for food, our dependence on him for even our finances, our dependence on him for our health, and even to carry us through this whole season of disease and sickness Is God teaching you that in your life? Is God in this season making you more dependent? Are you resisting that? Are you pushing back against that? Are you willingly saying to the Lord, I'm needy, I'm weak, God, but you are strong. You are great. I trust you. Are you even rejoicing in that in prayer? Are you taking time in this season to be thankful to the Lord? Thankful for all that he's doing right now, even in your own heart. I know that's been a real wrestling point for me. Uh, I came into this season kind of just like, okay, well, this is going to be different. We'll see what happens. Um, trying to kind of just bumble my way through it. And um, I found myself in the middle of this season being you know, really weighed down by it, really struggling with it. And as I looked to scripture and as I looked to specifically Philippians chapter 4, um, and had someone just share with me that there's great reason to be thankful in this season. I'm thankful even for what God is doing, how God is uh, refining us, and um, the hard things that God is putting and allowing to come into our lives right now because of the way that he's going to use those to change us. All of a sudden, that started to shift to more thankfulness. I, I noticed a big shift there in my prayers to go away from, to, away from just help me, just, you know, just do this, God, just do this, God, to, Lord, thank you. Thank you for how you're even changing me, transforming me. Would you do more of that in my life? So let me ask you right now, you know, in your own life, at this time, in the middle of this season, are you depending on the Lord's presence? Are you calling out to him for it? Are you saying, Lord, go ahead of me, lead me through this time? Are you looking to him in faith? Are you calling out to him in prayer? Listen, prayer is dependence on God. Prayer is admitting our weakness. A prayer is a really us showing and displaying humility. A Prayer is really a plea for God the Almighty to do what only God the Almighty can do. That takes faith. And that only happens through the presence of Jesus Christ. So do a little heart check right now. You know, how's your prayer life in this season? How's your walk of faith? You know, if you're struggling in this season, remember, it's not, it's not a flawless faith. That Jesus is looking for. But it is a real faith. If you're struggling in this season. It's a great time to call other people. uh, To come alongside you. To pray for you. To pray with you in this season. To walk with you in this time. But one thing that we all need to be aware of. Highly aware of. is, Is what Spurgeon so often warned his congregation about. Charles Spurgeon often warning his congregation about functional atheism. About adhering to a great list of creedal statements about who God is and who Christ is, yet ignoring the power of those statements by not walking by faith in our daily lives. And Spurgeon warned, uh, he warned his congregation repeatedly about this, about the person who professes to know Christ, but then attempts to live their life independently of him. May that not be the case in our lives. May we look to Christ in this season. May we look with greater dependence, with growing need, with growing anticipation of him walking with us, meeting us in that need, leading us through that time. Listen, this is a season that the Lord has given us for us to draw nearer to Jesus Christ, to become more dependent on him, to realize our own weakness, to realize our own neediness, and to realize his strength and his greatness. We never outgrow three things in the Christian life. The need for Jesus's presence. We never outgrow the need to exercise faith. And we never outgrow our need to depend on the Lord through prayer. I hope those things are growing and flourishing in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us your word that is so full of amazing examples of how to live this Christian life, how to walk In a way that pleases you through the grace and strength that you supply through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we fully admit that this is a hard season. It's a hard season for all of us, Lord. But we are so thankful for your abiding presence that will never leave us, never forsake us. We're so thankful that we can look to you through faith, that we can depend on you, lean into you. Father, we're so thankful that we can call out to you with the concerns and the burdens of our hearts in prayer that we can worship you and lift our eyes off of ourselves to proclaim your greatness. Father, we thank you that we can do all of those things through your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray, would you lead us through this time? Lord, would you help us to look to you? God, would you refine us? Would you do the work that you want to do in us to make us more like your son, Jesus Christ? Lord, would you lead us to a deeper place of dependence, a greater place, of more reliant faith and, and clinging to you in prayer. Lord, we pray this all in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.